Welcome to the Two Principles Podcast, the ultimate destination for principals, leaders, and educators. That's right. We're diving deep into the important stuff, the ups and downs of mental health, the secrets to managing stress effectively, figuring out that elusive work-life balance, and mastering the art of being an effective leader. So sit back, relax, and get ready to embark on an incredible journey with us as we explore the fascinating world of life and leadership. So whether you're a principal, leader, a busy parent, educator, or someone on a mission to make a positive impact in the world, this podcast is for you. The Two Principles Podcast, life and leadership talk inside and out. A better you makes for a better today. It starts with you. One, two, three, four. Hey there, I'm Darren Pepper, and I am hanging out with the Two Principles today. Are you in Wyoming? Is that where you reside? So I actually live in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm a Wyoming oh, kid through and through, okay. but and Wyoming is a great place to call home. Not a good place to live. Just so dang cold and windy, man. It's just oh. no. So yeah, so I live in Omaha. So that's where you reside in Omaha. Okay. All right. I was reading yeah. up a little bit about Wyoming. <laughs> I've never really been there. I went to Yellowstone when I was young, but I don't remember it. I've read yeah. what your state dinosaur is. Do you know me. the state do you know the state dinosaur? No, I really don't. Triceratops. I, really don't. I have no, no idea. Oh, okay. There you go. That makes some sense. Yeah. Cool. I would have never guessed that, Kevin. Yeah, and no, I, and I, I don't even. No first either. of all, I can't even believe you were doing some research on that. <laughs> That's true. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, hey, thanks for you know, you know, putting in the time to do a little Absolutely. research on my home state. So. Yeah. Hey, now I saw the I saw you in a I think it was a summer, and I got to ask you this: Are you? I know you're a sports guy and former coach and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but I saw you in. Was it a Iowa? Are you an Iowa Hawkeyes fan, football fan, or I'm an Iowa fan by proxy. So my my wife's family. My wife was born in Iowa. Father-in-law, big Iowa Hawkeye fan. He went to Northern Iowa, but he roots for the Hawkeyes. And my best friend from we met on New Teacher Day in August of 1995. I walk into the New Teacher you know, meeting in the boardroom and I'm wearing a Wyoming polo. I'm wearing a Wyoming thing right now. And here's this guy sitting there in an Iowa Hawkeyes polo. And the two had played each other in the holiday bowl in like 1987. Right. <laughs> and the first thing this guy says to me is nice holiday bowl. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> to this day, and it's so funny, but to this day, this guy is like, he is one of my very best friends. I was in Vegas just a few days ago, you know, coming back from some work I was doing, and he drove up the hour and a half to come and have dinner with me. Yes, so sir. I root for the Hawkeyes for those two reasons. And it's interesting being in Omaha, everybody thinks, well, you live in Omaha, you're a Cornhusker yeah, fan. Corn no, yeah. I am not a Cornhusker fan. Okay. And I, so I root for Iowa. So there you go. All right, because we, you know, I think I made a joke with, I don't know what it was, but I, you know, the whole row the boat, Skagamon, go Gophers. I know, you know, for the first time in a long time, the Gophers got the pig. So I'm not a, my wife is a graduate of the U of M. I am not, but we've got a lot of Gopher stuff in the house, along with a lot of Bulldog stuff, because my kids are up in Duluth there too. So very cool. Well, we are pumped to have you today. And Kevin, are you got everything squared away back there? I think we should I be going I think in. we are good to go. We are good to go. We are going to work on raising that frequency. Yeah, Let's we're going to go, go spread some good out in the podcast universe today. Hey, episode 2P59. Hey, I'm super jacked up to have the one and the only Dr. Darren Peppard on the show today. 
hashtag pep talk. Hopefully we get a few pep talks today. Hey, I'm Jason Paris. I'm Kevin Jost. Hey, and we are the two principals. If this is your first time tuning into the 2P pod, we appreciate you checking us out. If you've been here before, welcome back. We would love for you to follow, subscribe, and rate our show and spread the word to your friends as far as what we are trying to put out there in the universe. So thanks for tuning in today. Hey, we're just two living, breathing principles. Hey, we're in the trenches every day trying to figure it out. We enjoy hanging out. We enjoy life, trying to get better at what we do every day. And KJ and I are on our journey, and hopefully you're on your journey to a healthier and happier you. Hey, one step at a time, one conversation at a time. Really quick, you can check us out on all the social media accounts, and also you can find us on the web at twoprinciples.com. You can also, that's where you can find our weekly blog. We send it out on Sundays. So check us out there. We love to interact with all of you out in the podcast or social media world or whatever it is. We love interacting with you. Hey, Darren, got to know. I know you're a sports guy, but we got to know your walk-up song because we're gonna we're gonna intro you into the Two Principles Pod with your walk-up song. So what do you got for us? Yeah, man, I'll tell you what. You know, there's three or four songs that I really love as walk-up songs, but man, nothing encapsulates my journey. Nothing encapsulates what I do more than Tom Petty's "Learning to Fly." It's a good pick. Yeah, a little. Darren Peppard, hey, welcome to the Two Principles Pod. Hey, Kevin, you want to keep playing that song and introduce Dr. Peppard here? Absolutely. Here we go. We are excited to have Dr. Darren Peppard on the show today. Darren is a former school district superintendent and principal, current speaker, author, publisher, and consultant focused on what matters most in leadership. Darren is an expert in school culture and climate, as well as coaching and growing emerging leaders. He is known for his keen insight, culture-first leadership style, and dynamic personality. In 2016, Darren was named Wyoming Secondary School Principal of the Year by WASSP and NASSP, and was the 2015 Justin's Renaissance Educator of the Year. In 2017, Darren earned his doctorate degree in educational leadership from the University of Wyoming. This past summer, Darren was inducted into the Justin's Renaissance Hall of Fame. Darren shares his experience from over 25 years in education, specifically those learned as a leader in education during the past 13 years. As a recovering high school principal, Darren talks about lessons learned and effective strategies to help leaders of all experience levels become more effective at their craft. It's always great to learn from other leaders and today we are extremely grateful to be learning from and with Darren. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule, Darren, to join us on today's Two Principal Show. Yeah, of course, man. That's quite the intro right there. You know, that hey, to me, a like, famer, like all of that, all of famer. well, you know, yeah, all that means is I'm old. I mean, that, that's just like, <laughs> it's like a lifetime achievement award. It's like, yeah, okay, let's put this guy in the Hall of Fame and he'll go away, right? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, I appreciate that. I really do. And I'm excited to sit down and have this conversation with you guys. I mean, nothing gets me more jazzed up than talking principalship, you know, and to sit down with two currently seated principals. I truly am, man. I am 100% recovering high school principal. Best job in the world. Hardest job in any district. But again, the best job in any district. So really stoked to sit down and have a conversation with you guys. 
yeah, awesome. we're pumped up. And we, you know, one of the cool things, Darren, about you is I love, like you said, you're a former recovering principal, superintendent, leader, but the work that you're doing out in the world right now, I love it. I appreciate it. And we need more people like you out in the world doing what you're doing. So thanks for doing that and taking time today with us to hang out with us. You know, here's the thing. I mean, you know, we're each uniquely positioned to help the person that we once were. And when I first became a high school principal, it's crazy, man. So like I was the assistant principal in the same building. I actually had two assistant principal roles, first discipline and attendance. Then I was in charge of curriculum, instruction, special programs, master schedule, you know, that kind of stuff. And I became the principal and I moved down the hall from my office to the principal office and it was 40 feet. And guys, it might as well have been 400 miles. I mean, that first year, <laughs> dang, I was a train wreck, man. I, I thought I had to be like everything to everybody. And I call it Superman syndrome. And I was fortunate that when we, when my superintendent that hired me retired, the new guy came in and he believed in leadership coaching and he hired a coach and that completely transformed me as a leader. And so now that's the work I'm out there doing is paying that forward and helping other later leaders just get some clarity and walk in their purpose and like, I don't know, fall in love with their job again. Love it. So I'm going to ask you this question. You're on the road a lot. You're at home okay. a lot. I always want to know, this is a random question of today's show. Do you make your bed? Oh, heck yeah. Every morning. Every morning. Okay. There you go. That explains yeah. a lot about mm -hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. How about when you're, how yeah. about this? Well, when you're on the road? Usually it's me. Sometimes it's my wife. I mean, it's not like, I can't just like, you know, I'm not, you know, Admiral McRaven, you know, the guy who wrote the book, make your bed, you know, I mean. <laughs> but yes, we make the bed. And the hotel, if you're asking, you know, if I'm yeah. staying a second night in the hotel, which is rare, yeah. but then yes, I do throw the blankets up and make it there look like it's, yeah, like it's made. I don't want the maid coming in. I got this. It's something That's to good. know, a little something to know about. Uh, so it it said something about people, it says something. Mm -hmm. So, all right, we're going to, yeah. we're going to get into some questions here. We just want to know a little bit about you. Tell us how you got into your current position as a leadership consultant, coach, uh -huh. speaker, and author, publisher. I've got some follow-up questions after you kind of go through that a little bit. Yeah, man, it's, I don't know, it's, I guess there's kind of a long winding story there. So how I ultimately chose to jump into this work goes back to kind of what I alluded to before we really kicked it off with having, you know, been that guy who was a struggling principal and, you know, needing that person, you know, to provide the support. And honestly, once I kind of got my stuff figured out and started you know, stop being, you know, that firefighter and really started being a leader in the school. I fell in love with coaching my assistant principals, my department heads, you know, those aspiring leaders in the building. And that just, I mean, it just really set my soul on fire. That, and I'm a big guy for, for school culture and climate. And that also goes back to a moment in time as an assistant principal where, I mean, we were all about catching people doing things wrong and we were good at it, right? I mean, really good at it. And that's really where the road to awesome comes from, honestly. I mean, it, just a quick sidebar story. We're in this staff meeting my first year. I'm in charge of discipline and attendance. And so I'm facilitating the meeting that we're going to solve the two most important things in education, right? You know, <laughs> what do you do about hats? What do you do about cell phones? We were in that staff meeting. Oh, yeah. yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> and somebody, mercifully, somebody raised a hand, you know, partway through, you know, between by the calculator things and my shop teacher who just wanted to smash one with a hammer. 
somebody raised their hand and asked two questions and it was, hey, why is it always got to be about what they do wrong? Why can't it be about what they do right? And it was like two roads diverged for me. I could stay on that road, you know, hammering away at people. I can start focusing on positives, you know, let's start to show up a little bit differently in terms of how we approach the work that we do with kids, with other adults and that type of thing. And so push all that forward and the book and all those other things that that kind of came from, you know, an evolution away from that moment. And again, I think we can really help the person we once were because of the experiences that we've been through. And I had reached a point, you know, my, my last four years in public ed, I was a superintendent and two of those were COVID years. So those count for like 10 years each. Yeah, absolutely. And I needed to reinvent myself. I was, I don't want to just go right to burnout. I mean, that's an easy, mm-hmm. you know, I guess almost, you know, using that like as an excuse, sure. but I needed to get reacquainted with my purpose, with, you know, what I'm really all about. I needed to walk in my purpose. And to do that, I felt like stepping out and supporting leaders, supporting schools, supporting teachers was, that was the opportunity. That's what I needed to do. And honestly, it has absolutely reignited my flame. And it's just wonderful to have the opportunity to you know, coach leaders and support them to work with schools to help them build that positive culture and climate that, you know, allows our kids to feel seen and heard and valued and trusted. And for that matter, you know, for all the adults in the building feel the same way. So that's, I think that's, I don't know, I'm kind of meandering a little bit here, but you know, hey, no, it's that's the road okay. awesome. That's and okay. It's not a straight road. So um, you just mentioned a bunch of things that kind of lead into a follow-up question. What's your favorite part about what you currently do? Whatever the next one is, I don't know. I mean, it's, I love all of it. You know, it's interesting. People, you know, when they hear me speak, invariably there's, you know, a few people who, you know, hey, I want to do that too. Or how did you get into that? What's Mm -hmm. it like to be on stage? And, you know, that part's, it's great because I'm telling stories and I'm sharing experiences and, you know, working to inspire others. But man, there are times honestly, the individual coaching conversations, just sitting and supporting a leader and not telling them what to do. That's not what a coach is all about. A coach is really about helping individuals reflect and Mm -hmm. think about the work they're doing. I mean, you two guys are smart guys. You're intelligent guys. You know what you're doing as principals. You don't need somebody to come in and say, hey, you need to do this. Rather, it's, you know, tell me a little bit more about that or, you know, what were you hoping was the outcome here or what might be some things that, you know, we could do a little bit differently. My job is to ask questions. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, seriously, like the next one, whatever the next one is, I know tomorrow I've got a couple of coaching sessions. I'm looking forward to those. They're going to be, they're going to be exciting. They're going to fill my cup. They're going to fire me up. And ideally they'll help the leaders that I'm having those conversations with tomorrow be just a little bit better leader. That's good. Just out of curiosity, are you doing these remotely or are you depending on where they're located? Or are you going face to face? How are you doing that? So it's a variety of different okay. things to be honest with you. So I have, I have, you know, a couple of clients right here in the Omaha Metro area that I'm in person with them all the time. Sure. And then I have, you know, clients all over the country from Nevada to New Jersey, honestly, right now that 
I'm I'm virtual with them, but I'm also in person a few times a year. Okay. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I spend okay. a lot of time on an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> I see um, that in your pulse. <laughs> let's yeah. let's look back a little bit. Let's go back in time a little bit from your principalship days. What's yeah. the one thing that you miss about your principalship? Oh man, the relationships, hundred percent. You know, there's definitely things I don't miss, like high school dances. I don't miss those. Although prom, I enjoyed prom. prom yeah, otherwise, no. springtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Everybody dresses up. They act a little bit different. But yeah, no, I don't miss high school dances. But I, I really seriously miss the time just being in the hallways with, you know, whether it's my teachers, you know, or I just call them staffaldy. I don't separate staff mm -hmm. and faculty. Sure. You know, they should all, mm -hmm. they all belong together. But we filled our building starting a couple of years into my time there. There used to be like no place for a kid to sit down in that building other than classroom, library, you know, and maybe the cafeteria. But we, our maintenance crew ended up building benches and just filled this building with benches, sitting on the benches and just having conversations and building relationships with kids and with my staff, with my community. Man, I miss that so much. You know, we, it just you build those relationships that last a lifetime. And, you know, you have people who, you know, I still to this day, you know, have people who will reach out and, you know, say something about a conversation we had at one point in time, or I'll see something or something will spark in my head and it'll remind me of a conversation with, you know, with a teacher or a parent or with a student. And that's, I mean, we're in the people business, guys. I mean, mm -hmm. that's 100% what we do. And I would definitely say sitting on the benches with kids, with, with staff, with community, and just, you know, building those relationships, that's by far and away the thing I miss the most. That's cool. That's cool. Thinking about your transition out of the principalship and into what you're doing now, I'm curious, what's one thing you've learned about yourself throughout that process? Oh, and that's such a great question. And, you know, I think... I would tell you this. I mean, think about when you transition from being a teacher to being mm -hmm. an administrator, that, that first year or two mm -hmm. going and watching other teachers, you know, perform their craft. I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'd be so much better of a teacher now. When I, and yeah. I was a pretty good teacher, but oh, my gosh, you watch other people and you just learn and you steal from them. And I think that is the same thing. You know, for me now, if, you know, if I could go back to the principalship or I reflect back on my principalship time, definitely, I think the thing I've learned about myself leans into something that, that I believed anyway, but I would reinforce even more to myself the importance of the relationships and the importance of, as a leader, being the one to really take your time, to be really intentional with your responses, and to just be the very best listener that you can be. That, again, I mentioned it, you know, with the work I do now that I ask a lot of questions. You can't ask good questions if you're not a good listener. And I would say certainly early in my principalship, I wasn't the best listener. I had to learn to do that. And that's definitely something I've learned about myself in the last couple of years is just that, you know, there's a reason that, that we're supposed to listen. There's a reason we have two ears and one mouth, mm -hmm. right? Listen mm -hmm. twice as much. And the more time we spend 
genuinely listening. So, so let me take that just a step deeper, not just listening to respond, but listening to hear, to empathize, to understand that by far and away, I think that's an area that I've certainly learned a lot about myself. It's good I think that, and I think that's so powerful. I think, especially as a leader and the principles that are out there, so so many times we get just going and moving and shaking and going, and things are coming at us. But to really pause and sit and listen, like you said, because I think I don't, I don't, not even I think I know when you can be there, present with somebody, listening to somebody that there's that a that's the human connection that you have with one another but it, it's so powerful and i love how you said that and i think that i think if there's one thing that people can understand is be a be a listener listen more i love that absolutely fantastic and i know for me that's something i always work on too especially being a leader and walking the halls and running around and you got everything coming at you how can I get myself and be a mindful listener? So that's great. Hey, let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about, because a lot of the show that we talk about on the Two Principles Pod is our hope is to get a message out there about the well-being and the health of our leaders to make sure that we are doing what we need to do to take care of ourselves so we can continue on this great profession because the job is a stressful job. There's so many things coming at us and how can we take care of ourselves? But when you think, Darren, of your overall health, what does being a leader in your health and wellness look like to you? And it's, I love that so much. I think for me, it's about, and I don't really care for this word. So if you come up with a better word as I'm talking, just throw it in there. But balance is really what it's about. I, I really do struggle with that whole work-life balance thing. I mean, that makes it sound like the scales of justice or something like that. And we know that's just not reality, right? I mean, you guys know as a principal, there are going to be those times where your work is going to demand more of you. And there are going to be times where maybe it doesn't demand quite as much or your family's going to demand more. And you've got to be able to ebb and flow with that. Mm -hmm. But I think another big part of it, too, is taking care of yourself first. You know, mm -hmm. the whole put your, ox you know, your own oxygen mask on first. I know there, there were times both in my principalship, I think this was true as a soup, and I even think there were times early in this work that I do now where I wasn't putting my own health first. I wasn't, you know, making sure that I'm taking the time to exercise, to, you know, focus on eating right. When you travel a lot, I mean, it's easy to grab just, you know, mm -hmm. a burger and fries in the, you know, in the airport or whatever. And, you know, the convenient choice is not always the best choice, right? So <laughs> I think for me, it's definitely those two things, you know, making sure that I'm, you know, taking care of my own individual health, mm -hmm. exercise, eating, you know, that type of thing, sleep, make sure that I'm, you know, mm -hmm. getting good sleep. And then, you know, finding, again, I don't like the word balance, but I'll use it, you know, finding that balance with the time you're putting into work, but also the time that you're putting in with your family. And, and uh, let me add one more to that too. I think there's also a piece of time that we need to ensure that we're keeping the saw sharp, whether that's listening to podcasts like your podcast or reading, you know, professional reading or, you know, blogging or reading blogs or whatever the, you know, whatever that might be, whatever it is for an individual that they do to keep their saw sharp. Uh, we've got to make sure that we continue to feed our mind just as much as we take care of what we're feeding our body. And now a word about our partner. 
HealthWise Behavioral Health and Wellness. As a team of experienced licensed psychologists, clinical therapists, medical professionals, and mind-body practitioners, HealthWise offers a wide range of mental health services for individuals of all ages. HealthWise is grounded in a philosophy that considers the whole person. Located right here in Maple Grove, Minnesota, HealthWise is ready and able to assist you with becoming the best version of yourself. And now, back to the show. I love it. And you know, when you talked about, that's one of the things Kevin and I over the last probably year, that word balance, we really struggle with it too. So today when we were talking to our colleagues in the state of Minnesota today, we were talking about integration. How do you integrate work and life? Because it's not, like you said, it's not going to be a perfect balance all the time. There's nights that you're going to be there late and then there's going to be days where you can back up but how do you integrate it in a more in a way that you can you know help your overall well-being so that's kind of what we're talking about i want to get into some habits i know you're a former coach you're successful i'm going to call you a successful leader you're a successful principal teacher coach superintendent now you've got this road to awesome business you're again i can't say enough great things about who you are and what you're doing out there in the world but When it comes to habits, we know a lot about habits and habits can be good and habits can be bad, but what are you doing to create some positive habits in your life so you are making those positive steps and and doing those positive things in your life? Yeah, I think it starts with, actually my word for 2024 is clarity. And I think it starts with clarity. You know, what is it that, that we want? What is it that we're focused on? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? So whether that's creating good habits at work or creating good habits from a health standpoint or creating good habits in in anything. I think it starts with having that clarity and knowing what is it that I'm really truly looking for. And then, you know, I'm kind of a big believer in habit stacking. So taking good Mm -hmm. habits and connecting another habit to that, you know, that if, you know, if you're really good already at one thing, add something along with that one to help build that habit a little bit more. You know, you mentioned coaching. So I was a basketball coach and, you know, I mean, we have it stacked all the time. When you think about even just teaching a kid how to shoot a layup or teaching kids, you know, implementing an offense or, you know, a rotation on a defense, it's not everything at once. You start with one thing, you get good at that, and then you add the next, and then you build on it, and you build on it, and you build on it. I think that's the same thing with us building, you know, the habits that allow us to to stay healthy, to be able to show up as our best self each and every day. Mm-hmm. If we're not stacking good habits on top of each other, it's just we're not going to get where we want to be. Absolutely. That's great. That's good. All right. We're going to switch gears again a little bit. You know, one of the, one of what we call what Jason and I call the four pillars of our show and kind of our message is mental health. That's one thing that we care a lot about. It's something we talk a lot about. It's really our effort is to break down those walls and decrease that stigma related to mental health. So when I use that term mental health, what does that mean to you? How does that hit home with you? How does that, what do you resonate with when you hear the term mental health? You know, man, I, here's where I want to go with that. I think so often as educators, whether it's principals, teachers, what, whatever, you know, number one, we're pleasers and we're fixers. Mm-hmm. And we pour so much into 
everybody that we have a tendency to overextend ourselves, and we also have this bad habit of taking on everybody's baggage right i mean it's difficult as an educator to to walk away from your day get in your car and drive home or whatever and leave what happened at work especially if it's something connected to a kid it's one thing when you know maybe a colleague we don't get along that day or we have you know we have a struggle or i don't agree with you know what the central office is sending over to you know for us to do maybe i don't agree with that's one thing but when we see something that's traumatic or challenging or disheartening with a kid, we carry that. And it's really hard to let go of. So so when I think of mental health and educators, that to me, that's what it really comes back to. It's that it's like we take on others, you know, the trauma from others. And we have a hard time letting go of that. And I think we only have a certain capacity for that. And eventually we start to break. We start to you know, start to not be able to sustain the load that's on our shoulders. So that's what comes to mind for me with mental health with educators. No, that's good. That's well said. You know, speaking of mental health in your unique position, you have the ability to interact and engage and work with principals from all over the country. I'm curious, what are you seeing as far as trends related to mental health when it comes to working with these principals and leaders from all over the country? Are there things that you're seeing, you know, different from five, 10 years ago? I think to an extent, yes. Right now, I think principals are probably carrying the heaviest stress level that, that they've ever been asked to carry. And it, I think it's like multiple prongs. I'd give you a number, but I don't know how many I'm going to list here. So we'll just see what happens. Sure. But I think it's several. I think number one, there's just this unbelievable demand on principal's time right now. You know, they are pulled in so many directions. And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, we're short staffed or we, you know, we need additional support over here districts are maybe a little bit more on alert around ensuring compliance and they should be around compliance with you know IEPs and special education needs and so a lot of principals now are much more present and required to be present in IEP meetings and those types of things i mean the demands on time go on and on right there are really strong mental health needs for staff and for kids, which increases the stress load on principals. I mean, in so many ways, as a principal, your job is to fix it. And you mm -hmm. can decide what it is because it is different in every school. In some schools, the fix it is the academic performance. In some schools, the it is the, you know, the challenge that exists in urban schools, maybe between rival gangs or, you know, some issues, challenges that may exist with, you know, racial struggles, you know, with within the culture of the community, which then, of course, your school is just a microcosm of your community. So that makes its way in. Political pressures right now are there at a level we've never seen before. And then just throw in the regular day-to-day -day as a principal 
where you want to be the leader of your school and in so many ways you've got to be a firefighter you're putting out fires mm -hmm. constantly right and i think the leaders that i'm working with across the country that's just a nice quick summary of you know what they might just call a tuesday you know that's just another day in the life of a principal right now there's just <laughs> It's amazing. I mean, my, my time was extremely in high demand, certainly, as a building principal. But some of the challenges, I did not really face the political challenges that, that you two are facing right now. Yeah. Was I aware of what was happening in the legislature? Of course I was. was I aware yeah. of what was happening with the school board? Of course I was. But, you know, we've, holy cow, across the country, it, the last two years, school board meetings have turned into the Jerry Springer show. So... <laughs> You know, it's, yeah. we have a lot to all, say on that, but we're not going to talk about that. I'm not going to pull that thread. I'm going to pull that thread right now. I can't. <laughs> if you had a magic wand, Darren, what would you do? What's the solution? I mean, not to put you on the spot, but how do we fix it? <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what. That's, <laughs> man, if I had a magic wand, I think the biggest thing we've got to come up with collectively, cause, you know, because we hear it a lot now that education's broken and we have to fix education. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gonna pretend that education's perfect, it's not. But man, the, the challenges that exist there, it's not just simply, you know, if we could just get the legislative body to stop, you know, pushing forward, you know, all of these unfunded mandates, that that would fix it all because it wouldn't. Mm -hmm. At the opposite end of the spectrum, if we could, you know, get the eight teachers in your school to stop you know, being thermometers and actually be a thermostat. You know what I mean by that, right? Like the thermometer yep, yep. is the one who just tells you the temperature. Here's what's wrong, but they don't do anything about it. The thermostat's the one who actually, you know, sees, owns, and fixes the problem, right? But that's not just what's going on. You know, I'm sure you talk to educators and some will say, boy, if parents would just stop with this. I think the yeah. reality, if I mean, if I had a magic wand, it would bring the right people to the table to discuss how we can work together, how we can actually do what's right for kids. But yeah. this is the challenge. And this is why the magic wand, we'd have to give one to every single principal because yeah. everybody's context is different. You know, right. what may improve the situation in Colorado or in Washington state or in Minnesota is different than in a rural place in Nevada or, you right. know, an extremely urban place in Chicago or sure. whatever, right? Everybody's context is different. So to just wave a magic wand, I mean, you know, I could say, hey, let's do away with school boards and, but that <laughs> doesn't fix it, you know, or we could, you know, because there's a lot of great school boards out there, right? Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of challenges, but I think if we could really just ensure that leaders are empowered to do the work they need to do, that they're trained and supported in a manner where they're able to not only create and see that compelling vision for their school, but they're actually able to get everybody else to understand their part of that compelling vision, that would be the magic wand. And I mean, honestly, that's what I'm trying to do with every leader that I'm working with, create that compelling vision and f help everybody see the part that they play 
that gets us where we need to be and supporting our kids. Yeah, that's good. And I think it goes back to Darren, what you talked about, it's your one word. And I know you, you talk a lot about this, but it's just clarity. When you can get clear on your vision, your mission, who you are, what you want to be. I don't care if it's habits. I don't care if it's taking care of yourself. If you're clear on that and you have clarity, I think that goes, that, that can propel you and take you to, you know, another level. And that's why I really appreciate you in your conversations and your pep talks and things about really helping principals and leaders get clear, get really clear on who you are and what you're all about. So I think that is great advice for our principals. I want to switch gears. I always get interested, Darren, in talking to leaders and folks about, you know, again, I'm going to go back to the work-life wellness or the work the work-life integration, because we have a lot of leaders out there that, you know, they struggle with this. I, I, for one, you know, this has been something I've been working on now for quite some time. How can I get better at the whole integration of, you know, my professional responsibilities and my personal responsibilities? But how, you know, for the folks that are listening out there, what do you do to balance? Because it sounds like, you know, you might not have been good at this at one point, but what are you doing to balance that professional side? Because you're on the road a lot, you're traveling, you know, you're doing things, you're doing pods, you know, you're doing all this stuff. You're writing, you know, author and all that stuff. But how do you balance that between that and then making sure that you're also connected in at home, you know, with your wife and other things? You know, you make it sound like I am good at that now. And I don't know that I am. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So a couple of the techniques that I think are beneficial and that help me. Number one, I'll just tell you this from the beginning. I am as far from a type A as a person can be. I am not that, you know, sequential, you know, everything's in a box. You know, I mean, my if you guys could see my desk, you would be like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. So I have to force myself to be a systems thinker. I have to ensure that I have things in place. I mean, I use, use a, a number of different apps for, you know, ensuring that I get things accomplished as I need to. I am really good with my calendar. I can always get better, but I time block. So that I ensure that all those things are getting done. I mean, I just came off of a time block before I jumped on with you guys to teach a graduate level course at Fort Hay State University. And I'm working on, you know, the latter half of this course still, you know, putting time together. And I've got to block time to ensure that those things happen. Mm -hmm. As far as, you know, making sure that work doesn't bleed into my time with family. And this is still a work in progress for me. But... I like to just take the phone and put it in the other room if possible, you know, just the last hour or two of the day when we're maybe sitting, you know, as a family and eating dinner or watching it, you know, watching a program or something like that, just put my phone in the other room. That's a good time to put my watch on the charger. So then I'm just disconnected, even if it's just an hour because I'm really bad at that guys. I really am. I struggle with, you know, every time I, you know, get a vibration on my watch and, you know, well, we, what's this notification? And, you know, it's a challenge, but I think those are things that work well for me is making sure that I got things time blocked, make sure that I'm using that calendar and then make sure that, you know, just step away from the technology periodically, have that, you know, genuine human interaction that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, that's great. I think that's great advice. And I know that's hard for 
folks, but what a it's so powerful though to be able to put your phone or your technology in another space and be there with other humans, especially you know the ones you go home to. It's your spouse, your you know kids, whatever it is, and be there present with them. So that, that's great, great advice for that. What about you know we like to talk about routines too because a lot of successful people that you follow or you do their routines. So I kind of want to know. I'm interested just because you know I don't. You know, I know you through the World Wide Web and social media, and we've connected that way. But what are you like for like a typical morning? What's your typical morning look like? And maybe, you know, your after work routine or maybe even a weekend routine. What are you doing with that? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's a lot different than it was, obviously, when I was a principal, when I was a superintendent. You know, back then it was, you know, I'm getting in, you know, to hit the weight room, or hit the treadmill, whatever, by you know, five, five thirty in the morning, you know, now I'm probably still up around five thirty, you know, have a cup of coffee, that kind of thing, you know, get breakfast mm-hmm. in. And then I, typically, you know, I'm at the, I'm at Planet Fitness by, you know, eight, eight fifteen. you know, go get my workout in that kind of stuff. And then dive into the day's work, you know, whether that's, you know, a podcast recording or that's, you know, a couple of coaching calls or working on content, you know, working on, you know, contract proposals, whatever. I typically will go until about five o'clock because, you know, a unique thing with us, with Road Dawson, again, it's my wife and myself. She's editing books during the day. So I'm in, you know, I'm in my office pretty much, you know, the whole day. A nice thing though, you know, with being able to work from home is we're able to stop and have lunch together most of the time. But, you know, here's one big advantage I will tell you. We block time to get things, you know, like, you know, run into Costco and Walmart and that kind of stuff on a Tuesday morning or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. There's smart. There. Yeah, smart. You not lucky, like doing it on a Saturday or a Sunday. <laughs> I know. So th- what that does, though, is that frees up our weekends. I mean, our daughter still lives with us. She's got a you know really great full-time job. So on, on Saturday or Sunday, we may know, you know, the three of us may go and, you know, grab a coffee and yeah, go for a drive or, you know, go do something, you know, here in the Omaha area. There's always something cool going on. I think that Costco tip was the tip of the show. I think that was it. I think that <laughs> oh, was yeah. And yeah. If you um, can avoid that place on the weekend. Well, you, talk about avoiding, you talk about avoiding stress. That right there, that'll make your week. Hey, let's talk, about, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about leadership. I want to know, what is it? I mean, you've talked a lot about it, but what does it mean to you? And I'm curious, how do you build and sustain a positive culture? I know you're a big culture guy. How do you build and sustain huh. that positive culture for your business or you know, currently right now, but maybe even, you know, you think back to the principalship, what advice would you give to other educational leaders? I would tell you that it all comes back to two things. It comes back to clarity and it comes back to being intentional. You know, number one, you've got to be clear. What are you looking for? You know, we dove in with our culture. We dove in real heavy in the Jocelyn's Renaissance movement. I'm a huge fan of the Jocelyn's Renaissance stuff. You mentioned, you know, I'm in their hall of fame, that kind of thing. But there's a formula for it. And Jocelyn's Renaissance did a great job figuring this out. It's, it starts with, you know, it's all a bunch of R's. It's six R's. It starts with respect. And that's the clarity piece. What are you looking for? You know, what is it you value? What are the things that are important to you? You know, we were really good at catching people doing things wrong. We had to shift our focus. We had to start looking for the good. And so what did we respect? We wanted to improve attendance. We wanted to improve student behavior. We wanted to improve academic performance. So those were the things that we respected. And 
From there, then it's recognize, reward, and reinforce. So as you are seeing those things, call it out. You know, find meaningful ways to celebrate the things you're wanting to see. You know, when all we do is hammer on kids or hammer on adults for doing things wrong, that leads to a negative culture. You know, when punishment to gain compliance is the primary leadership strategy, and I've worked in systems that that's the strategy, people perform at a level just above that which would get them punished. So no innovation happens. Nobody takes risk. Nobody takes a chance. So when you recognize reward and reinforce the things you want to see, what a surprise, more of those things start to happen. You also completely change that mindset of what you are looking for. And all of a sudden you start finding more and more of those positive things. Simple example, I drive a Jeep and before I bought my Jeep, I never saw Jeeps on the road. Well, Jeep owners, yeah. we have this Jeep wave that we do, right? Guys, I see Jeeps everywhere now because yeah. I'm looking for them, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's simple. Yeah. So yeah. that to me, that's how you begin to build that culture. When you're recognizing, rewarding, and reinforcing the things you want to see, you know, and then mix in another R, which is relationships, you know, people want to be, I said it earlier, but people want to feel seen, heard, valued, and trusted. And you don't get that when you don't have a significant relationship. I mean, we've all heard Rita Pearson's TED Talk. We could all hear it another 20 times and never be tired of it. But, you know, people don't learn from people they don't like, right? You know, kids don't yeah. learn from people they don't like. People don't follow leaders they don't like. And no, you don't have to be their best friend, but building a relationship where you know them as human beings Man, that's huge. And man, you put those five R's together right there and that gets you the results. And that's the sixth R. It's all yeah. about, you know, but it all starts with clarity, right? And when you've got that figured out and then you're intentional about those other pieces, I mean, when you are like really intentional about your communication, when you're really intentional about how you spend your time, when you're, I mean, let me, let me just stay on that for a sec. Be intentional with your time. I talked about calendaring. I mean, even now I calendar. Mm-hmm. I put school culture on my calendar. You know, I mean, it's one thing to put, you know, hey, I've got the district meeting on Tuesday at one o'clock, but I would put 20 minutes, three, three or four times a week on my calendar, mm -hmm. school culture. Mm -hmm. And even if I didn't know what I wanted to do yet, I'm going to block the time. So I know I can go and be intentional focusing on my culture. Maybe that's, you know, I'm going to go down in the gym for five minutes and shoot hoops with our special needs adaptive PE class. Or mm -hmm. I'm going to go check in on these four teachers on their prep just to see how they're doing. You know, we spend time in classrooms with teachers all the time, but there's kids there. Be intentional to go spend time with them right. when there aren't kids there, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I can riff on this mm -hmm. for hours and hours, guys, because, I mean, that's I think that's the number one job of the leader. You know, you have to be, that's how you are the champion of your school is you've got to be that person who's working hard to build the culture and the culture belongs to everybody. But if you don't model it, if you don't exemplify, this is what we want at our school, your culture will change. It just probably won't change in the direction you want it to. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about burnout earlier in the show. You talked about you being a recovering high school principal. Yeah. If you had to go back or, you know, even right now, what kind of advice are you giving those leaders that are just getting into their career 
I mean, you've already covered a ton of great advice, but mm -hmm. what's one thing you would highlight? I would, you know, I would say this, you know, when we move into that leadership role, I'm going to say two things. We move into that leadership role. Often it's because we excelled in the previous role. You know, maybe we were really mm -hmm. good in the classroom and people said, boy, you should be a principal or maybe even as an AP, you know, hey, you should be a principal. The skill sets are not the same. I'll say it again. The skill sets are not the same. What it took to be a quality classroom teacher is not the same skills. Some of them are, but there's a different skill set to leading a classroom full of children versus leading a building of adults. And I would say, number one, don't forget about that. Never think you know it all and continue to grow, continue to learn pay attention to other leaders, those who have already been there, they can share so much, you know, in, in two different ways, right? I mean, they can share from the things they've done right and they can share from the mistakes that they've made. So I think that's a big piece of it. And the second thing I would say is don't forget what it was that sparked the flame in the first place. Because when it comes to burnout, man, you can't be burned out if you were never on fire. I mean, there was something that lit a fire in you that brought you into the educational space, you know, and when we lose touch with that's like the fuel in our fire, you know, being extinguished and being used up, you know, you've got to find whatever it is that reignites that flame. For me, that was at a point, finally, it was, you know, hey, I've got to, I've got to adjust how I'm supporting leaders. Instead of supporting leaders as a superintendent, my leaders in my building, I'm going to step out and go do it with more leaders, you know, but never forget that, that, you know, there was something that lit your fire and you got to get back in touch with that. Don't lose sight of that. And it's so easy. We already talked about it, but holy cow, principles just get pulled in a thousand directions. It can be real easy to lose sight of what, you know, what it was that actually lit you up. And then, you know what, I'm going to add one more just really quick, because I think this is critical. Again, it's back to clarity. What do you care about? What are you focused on? But how are you checking in on yourself? What are you doing to intentionally keep yourself focused on what matters to you? I call that balcony level leadership. As a basketball coach, you know, I watched a lot of film and film is shot from the balcony. And as a principal, I needed somebody filming from the balcony for me, you know, am I staying focused on the things that really matter to me? And I would actually go stand on the balcony seriously in our gymnasium in the building where I was principal. And in my mind's eye, I could see the six things that mattered to me. And I would just check in on myself. How am I doing here? How am I doing here? Am I really doing what I say I'm doing here? And mm -hmm. man, the more you can find a way to check on yourself, the more successful you can be as a leader. I think that's, that's great. That's really good advice. And the piece there that I heard you that resonated with me too is to, you know, this leads me into the next question there because we all, we can all learn and grow and get better at what we do. And, you know, there was maybe someone that gave us the nudge or gave us the, you know, tap on the shoulder and say, Hey, I think yeah. you'd be good in this role. But Part of that is learning, like you were saying, learning from other leaders and learning from other people who've been in that business or in that realm, which is so important. So what are, if 
and maybe there, maybe it's books, maybe it's other leaders, but who are some of your favorite leadership, or I don't even care, even health and wellness right. folks out there that you maybe go to if it's a book, if it's podcasts, if it's people, you know, who are they? Yeah. Yeah. So, man, I'll tell you what, books, I'll start here. The one that just really... I go back to, there's a couple of them that I go back to regularly. Number one, there's a book by Gary Keller called The One Thing. And again, that's my clarity piece. But, you know, what is that one thing that by doing makes everything else easier or irrelevant? That's really the Mm -hmm. gist of Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. Absolutely phenomenal book on really getting focused. And then I've probably read John Gordon's Energy Bus 25 times. It's just an absolutely brilliant book. My day-to-day, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of audio books. That's kind of how I keep that saw sharp. I love Ed Milet. The Ed Milet Show is one of my favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. I love the John Acuff podcast, All It Takes is a Goal. Those are really fantastic. And, you know, being able to lean into that type of thing, and honestly, just so many other podcasts. You guys' podcast, I think, is exceptional. Joshua Stamper's Aspire to Lead is a great podcast Mm -hmm. that I listen to regularly. Brian Martin's Teaching Champions podcast I listen to regularly. Handful of others, but I think the more of that kind of stuff, you know, that just really, you know, helps me stay focused, helps, you know, me keep my brain sharp as much as possible. And then Honestly, just the conversations that I get to have every single day with leaders all over the place and just being able to listen to them and support them and watch them succeed and watch them excel and watch them, you know, fight their way through tough stuff. I just, I love that. I really, truly do. You know, I, you know, Darren, I want to, you know, promote your pod and your, you know, road to awesome book and, you know, I know you shared a lot of other people's stuff, but too, but if you're a listener out there and haven't checked Darren's book, Road to Awesome, or his podcast, Leaning Into Leadership, do it. You will not be disappointed. Again, like I said, you're doing great work. I love that I've been able to get connected with you. I'm learning a lot from you just in in the realm of what you do and how you do it. And and like you said, always pick the brains of other people who are doing it and doing a really good job. And so I really cannot say enough great things about you. Like I said, your podcast, your books, all that stuff that you're doing. Or if if you're a principal or your school district out there, you're looking for somebody to come in to speak, check them out. Make sure you're doing that. I think that's... You're doing great stuff, pal, and I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate you guys so much, and, you know, just thanks for giving me the opportunity to come on and just talk leadership with you guys. I love it. For sure. We're going to land this plane with one final question. What is one thing that you would tell somebody that they could start implementing tomorrow to move in that right direction on their journey towards a road to awesome? I would say this. Remember that you have a choice. You have a choice every (laughs) single day, and that choice is how am I going to show up? Am I going to show up and bring positive energy? Am I going to show up and make a difference in the life of kids? You know, am I going to show up as a thermostat like I talked about earlier? Or am I going to show up as a thermometer? Am I going to show up and be the energy vampire who sucks the life out of this place? You've got a choice every single day. And I stopped showing up as the guy looking to catch people doing things wrong and like try to get four or five discipline referrals before my day even started. And instead chose to show up as the guy who was at the front door every single day 
greeting 90% of my kids who came in that front door, 90% of my staff came in that front door, 90% of my buses dropped off at that front door, 90% of my parents dropped off at that front door. I chose to show up differently. And if you simply can do that, because here's the thing, you can control that. We talked mm -hmm. about so many things in here that you have no control of. I can control how I choose to show up every day. So that right there, that gets you rolling down the road to awesome. That's cool. That's fantastic. I'm going to piggyback off of what Jason said. Listen, this is this has been a real treat for me. You know, over the last year, we've had just incredible conversations with people. You are right there at the top. I mean, you are, I'm just, I'm so impressed by you. I, I just have a lot of respect for what you're all about, your energy, your message, and just your demeanor. And so this has been really fantastic for us and i know our listeners are going to get a lot out of this and so genuinely we really want to just thank you for sitting down with us and because i know you're a busy guy this has been really beneficial and thank you so much well absolutely guys i appreciate you guys so much continue to do the incredible work you're doing continue to make a difference in the life of kids and we're going to flip this thing over and we're going to do a little home and home and have you guys on the Leading Into Leadership podcast. Absolutely. I would love that. Hey, Darren, really quick before we wrap this thing here, where yeah. can, if somebody's out there listening right in there and they're like, hey, I want, I want to have, I want to, you know, reach out to Dr. Pepperd, either social media or I want to book them or where yeah. can they find you and how can they connect with you? We'll put it in the show yeah, notes so, too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, everything social media, Darren M. Pepperd. Like literally all of them. I'm even on TikTok. I really don't do anything, but I'm there. And then <laughs> like email. That. Yeah, email. You can email me. It's Darren at RoadToAwesome.net. That's D-A-R-R-I-N. That's the correct spelling of Darren for any Darrens who spell it differently. You spell it wrong. But Darren at RoadToAwesome.net and the website. Go to our website. Go to RoadToAwesome.net. I mean, that gives you everything. It's speaking, books, consulting. I mean, everything that we do is at RoadToAwesome.net. Very good. Great. That's awesome. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate everybody listening today. And uh, yeah, make it uh, make it a great day. Make it a day towards awesome and find your road to awesome. So again, appreciate everybody checking in. Remember to live and lead with purpose. And remember, it always starts with you.